You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to work off your Thanksgiving dinner, perhaps uh, power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're just going back to work after the long holiday, or maybe you're not even in America. Maybe you're just enjoying us, whatever the case we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen, Third Love and Linode. They bring the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who is the stuffing to my turkey, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hey, man, it was uh, wild out there. You know, you had that 4K TV. I had one hand on it. I peed on it to claim it as mine. Um, but you took it home anyway. But I got the box and my kids were excited till they realized I peed on it. I mean, <laughs> it was talking busy. about our, our Black Friday. Christian and I have a, have a tradition. We go out on Black Friday so that he can pee on things. <laughs> and uh, it's just mine. a little tradition that we have. We don't buy anything. No. <laughs> we just uh, it's just our little, you know, I special. claim it and keep walking, you know, Ah. <laughs> uh, Black Friday. Oh, man, we're going to talk about Black Friday. We're going to talk games. It is an extraordinary time of the year. So many people are are getting new games for the holiday season or taking advantage of deals. And we have been playing a ton of stuff ourselves. It's going to be a fun one today. And mostly because we have one of our favorite guests back with us. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for Die live continue because from the spawn on me podcast our friend khalif adams is back with us hey khalif what up boys sarate on the tippy tie i want to give you good tidings and cheer uh from the west coast uh here in portland thank you so much for having me again i, I love uh, you boys it's our pleasure uh we're big fans of you and what you do and it's always fun we don't see each other often enough but it's great to have you on at least virtually so we can hang and talk video games for a little bit well i don't know if i can have christian come over to the house now because he's peeing on tvs though that's 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 a little bit new i didn't know that this i hadn't seen you both in a while yeah so that means that this is a new revelation of of how our relationship has all changed i remember our last hug in real life i peed (laughs) 
secretly into your pocket and it spilled onto your TV when you got home. So no big deal. This, but this is a great bit that we're doing. I'm I'm, I'm thoroughly invested in loving this uh, oh, and appreciate. It. I hope it. Hopefully, it continues in future episodes. Uh, hey, this, this was this was it's triumph the insult dogs, uh, not funny cousin Christian the peon things guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a great deal for me to pee on, is what he says. I, I think. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's get that behind us and move into the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, slim pickings this week. It is, you know, it's holiday <laughs> weekend. Big, we're just coming off a big four-day weekend here in the United States. Uh, all the stories uh, are, are really about deals uh, everywhere you look. But, you know, we'll, we'll still have some interesting discussions. And, Cleef, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. What would so you consider the- to be? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun a little bit. Um, one of the great stories you dropped on the docket this week was the one about Evie getting a Pokemon Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. I so first of all, shout out to Al Roker for not knowing how to pronounce Evie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not that's not a hard one to get. I think it's not a that's not it's not exactly you know not phonetic. It's it's right there. <laughs> I mean but, Evie Evie E E E E as as Al Roker. <laughs> broke that down into um is is you know i, I love that man he, he he's still doing god's work yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it, i love the story because it actually makes me feel young again it's one of those things that i had as a youngster uh a tamagotchi that is uh and for folks who don't know what that is if you have not had one of these wonderful toys it is basically like the the uh egg bring the egg home and treat it as your child uh task that you got when you were in school if you're that old um <laughs> right. and it's and it's literally that you basically have this monster in your pocket and they're going to have an ev version of it that you can kind of take care of and, and make sure it doesn't die or and you know continuing with the the previous conversation poop and all the other stuff um yeah yeah right. it's interesting yeah. i like stuff like this i think things like this are pretty cool that they kind of bring it back and kind of share it for the next generation coming up yeah, they're actually making a pocket monster for Pokemon, right? That's pretty cool. And uh, as you mentioned, the original Tamagotchi released back in 1996, and uh, it was all all the craze back then. Uh, I'm too young to remember, of course, but um, no, I'm not. I, I remember very well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was um, it was. I guess mobile gaming before mobile gaming. It was you know you got to log in and do a stupid thing. Uh, Every so often or your Tamagotchi dies and uh, you were rewarded with, I guess, very bad, you know, pixel graphic smiles from your Tamagotchi. And that was all that we cared about back then for some reason. Well, they're bringing it back. Uh, it looks like just in Japan at this point, um, they were be And released. at Christian's house. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> one of these <laughs> bad boys is making it over here. You're going to import one? You're going to do it? Yeah. I mean, maybe three. One for me and... <laughs> one for each of my daughters to to wear think around be into it i think they think it'll be too old-fashioned for them they're real into so sorry i didn't mean to jump the gun with this but my kids and my oldest who's in kindergarten and her whole elementary school it seems like they're real into uh backpack charms all the kids have dingle dangles oh. boys and girls both so are you telling me that i can have a, a put a pokemon on there talk about kids dingle dangles dude I, i'm just <laughs> i'm saying i'm trying to get past the beginning of the show is what i'm saying 
Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Um, uh, bits. Little bits. Uh, <laughs> right. Bits and... Yeah. Mm, all right. <laughs> bits and pieces. Did, did you both have the whole, like... Because this, again, this looks goes back to, like, junior high school and then right into high school stuff. Did you guys have, like, the whole beeper chain thing? Beeper chains? Like so, a- like... Like pagers, so you yeah, had your pager. I, I had a pager, yeah. Right, and then that. the way that we, you know, determined who had the coolest pager was the chain that you had that was mm. attached to your beeper. So would that and go around your a, neck or on your belt? It was weird because it was around. It would like attach to your pocket. It had like a little clamp at the end, and it would attach to your pocket. And it was like everyone had like really short monocles. <laughs> used to just hang. It's like so your beeper used to hang on your belt and then the chain would hang on and you would just attach it to your pants somewhere it was like this really small chain but the thing was uh, at least in the bronx they had like in the bodegas they would have like small spots where you would just see like all these beeper chains just laid out in a row and it would be different kinds it was like so you had like the fat rope chain ones you had like a herringbone chain one then you had some that were like themed with like uh there was like a thundercat one that was just like oh, all fresh all like uh uh the sort of omens like connected to each other in a chain that you would make onto your beeper i'm just wondering i was like am i the only one that remembers that thing? that might be an east coast thing i we did not have that where where i was or at least maybe i just wasn't cool enough to even know about it that's possible very possible. i remember that i never had a, a pager I do remember those. It was like a wallet chain, Jeff, but it was for mm, your yeah, pager. I, I do remember like when iPhones first started too, it was called like Apple picking, right? People would steal people's iPhones and people oh. would steal pagers because they'd run up and steal your pager. So you'd keep it on a chain so you could take it out and mm. look at it without somebody running by and, and stealing your pager. Well, it's funny because I guess there's always whatever that thing is it, at your time there's, you know, the cool ones and the, there's a, there's a fashion element to all this stuff. I, I'm sure there's going to be a whole generation of kids that are going to talk about, you know, what was the coolest fidget spinner, you know, like the, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it'll be whatever it is. And, and, uh, we didn't, I didn't have the, the chain on the, on the pagers, but we definitely had Tamagotchi. I didn't even really get into Tamagotchi too much. Uh, personally, it, it, I'm just not a pets guy anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too much work. Uh, and I, <laughs> I will pass on this as well, but they're uh, going to retail for about 20 bucks, uh, 2,300 yen was about 20 bucks and they'll go on sale in the end of January in Japan. I suspect because this is generating so much nostalgia and press coverage here in the States that we will shortly hear of the United States version that's going to happen because uh, <laughs> I, I would be shocked if it, if it doesn't. Um, but there was an original Pokemon, uh, Tamagotchi that was released back in 1998. Uh, it was Pikachu. And, um, you know, this is kind of a throwback to that. So uh, Christian's already on the record saying he he wants. Uh, Khalifa, are you going to are you going to dip back into the nostalgia for uh, one of these bad boys if you can? Heck no. I, the, the, <laughs> the, the one thing I do want, I, if they do bring anything back that's even close to something like this. I want a new version of the VMUs that used to get in the Dreamcast. Yeah, baby. I still I have want one of those. I, I don't know where. I think my mom threw all that stuff away. She was like, get out of, get out of the house. Yeah. Take, all your, take all your garbage with you. It was like the Fresh Prince when, when Jazz always got thrown out of the house. <laughs> um, but it was like, I want that. I want that VMU. Something that has like an actual purpose besides just having the whole like, look at my pet die, really slow deaths right. kind of stuff. Uh, but that would be cool. If they bring that back, I'm down for that. This whole thing just feels like obligation to me, and I can't. I mean, I, I already have, I already have the uh, 
the um, uh, World of Warcraft app on my phone where it's like every day you can send your followers off and do a thing. And it's so, there's so much anxiety of like, I got to remember that day and I got to spend, I got to have enough resources in the game to be able to use the app. And it's just, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I already have <laughs> two kids both like dangling from my backpack and I have to feed them every day. And they're just like, ah, and I'm like, you're six. You can talk and like, and it's like, you make, Ugh. you make a very strong point, Christian. We got the ultimate Tamagotchis is what we did. We're like idiots. Yeah. <laughs> No, they're the, the best. most expensive. These are 20 bucks. Uh, even when you import them from Japan, ours are uh, infinity cost. Mine just evolved. Oh. We have lightning bolt now, so I'm oh, feeling sweet. pretty good. Well, good for you. Nice. Uh, what is your story of the week, Christian? So, I mean, it is. It's it's post-deals time, but this is coming out during Cyber Monday but because everything's online. Even Black Friday is Cyber Monday. But there were some killer deals on consoles and stuff this holiday season with Xbox getting its official kind of price drop price drop during the Mexico City announcements uh but then the bundles you had competing base uh non-pro or x uh level bundles hitting that 199 price point Xbox 1S with Minecraft PlayStation 4 with Spider-Man um, and then they also Xbox reduced the one X price by a hundred bucks. There was, I think like a $40 or $50 sale. I saw on PlayStation four pros maybe. And then the switch had a bundle with Mario Kart eight deluxe. And then there were tons of games on sale. So I'd love to get your opinions on, you know, what you think, um, the big three were thinking Khalif in terms of these bundles and, reductions this holiday season and then i always like knowing people's hauls i'm curious if you partook Ooh, um well i mean the, the the best thing for anybody at this point is to be able to see any of the prices come down so that if you were on the fence about snagging something you don't kind of have an excuse like you know what i mean like if you're really thinking about jumping into this generation and i know there's a lot of folks who wait really late into a generation to jump in um, and then wind up copying something and then playing through all the backlog of all the wonderful games that are out there. Um, the Spider-Man bundle, it, but the like price drop on that also seems weird, but it also feels like games now in the past, let me think two to three years, everything goes on a really like huge dip, like three months after it's been released. So that whole thing is like throwing me way off to, to see that that's an actual thing. Or three days uh, or, you know, less than a week. I mean, one of the the biggest takeaways for me of this Black Friday is that Fallout 76 was on a massive discount. Uh, I mean, that's we're days, not weeks since that was released. And uh, I mean, there's a whole number of games that have come out very recently that were on big discount uh, Forza Horizon 4, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed Odyssey all had significant discounts on Black Friday and I'm sure Cyber Monday as well. Mm-hmm. But Fallout 76 feels like a precipitous decline. I mean it was 40 bucks from a $60 game that came out less than a week ago. Yeah. Um what do you make of that, Khalif? I don't know if that's them giving up on this game this early. Like I know I know Bethesda can't be doing that. They just can't like they have stuff in the pipeline, right? And it's it's interesting because I always think of when we see games that have bad launches, I think of No Man's Sky and I think of how much work they've done to build goodwill to bring that game back from the dead. Right. And I don't think they've ever gotten the same amount of people back that they had during the initial first months. But, 
you know, we've seen a couple of games do this where they've had terrible launches or have had not great content out of the gate and then come back. But I don't think Fallout has the legs for this, which is which is interesting in and of itself. I think where, the industry. Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Christian. I think the industry. I think Fallout has the legs for this, and I think Elder Scrolls Online is Bethesda's example of sticking with a game with a bad launch and no content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the industry has moved to a point where us gamers aren't as maybe patient as we once were because there's just the deluge of games, whereas. Even just two years ago, I know there were tons of games last year and even two years ago, but not as many felt like they were lifestyle games as service games. So now it's if Fallout 76 doesn't catch on, you know, will people give it a shot six months, eight months, a year from now when in over that course of that eight months, you're going to get Red Dead online, mm-hmm. every single game that comes out in February 2019, Anthem and all the rest. And everybody's going to be these big forever games I don't know how you get people to take the plunge on your old forever game without maybe rebranding it or relaunching it like Marvel Heroes, no longer with this game. But, you know, they did that after their first year, didn't get good reviews. They called it something else, Omega or whatever it was, and kind of relaunched it. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you survive this the same way that people used to. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, I have no idea how any of this is determined. Uh, it feels like. It's too abrupt a move to have it not have been planned weeks in advance. So I don't know if they just knew pre-sale numbers or if this is even about sales numbers at all. Khalif, you said rough launch. None, no doubt it's a rough launch uh, yeah. from a critical perspective, from the sort of um, you know reaction from the community, from everybody who's played it, crit- critics and audiences alike. I mean, there's lots of people that like the game for sure, but it has... I think it's averaging, you know, very middling scores, very low scores. Uh, and, but we see, at least in the first week of these big tentpole games, that doesn't usually mean it didn't launch well uh, financially. Yeah. You know, even a, a game like No Man's Sky, it sold m- many copies. I mean, it was a big initial uh, success. And I have no idea. I mean, they haven't released any numbers for Fallout, we haven't seen the MPDs yet. It's much too recent, but I would be very curious. I'd be very surprised, honestly, if this didn't at least have a a pretty nice launch. Uh, It may not be showing the sustained numbers that you would get from a game that was, you know, top of the, you know, top of the the heap as far as feedback. But I, I just don't know how these things are determined. I don't know if this is, if we can read into it from a, oh my gosh, it didn't do well. So they slash the price right away thing maybe that is the case maybe it is but i i really don't know how that's determined and how early it's determined and if they had data all the way back that this idea just wasn't hitting for people and so they weren't getting the pre-sale numbers that they thought i I don't know or it's a a way to influx a player base to a game that's new right this is a time when people will be home from the holidays college kids and kids in high school have a good chunk of time off so this is when you get people in and invested in the game and you get parents to buy it for hanukkah christmas holiday time shopping and the way to do it is to get it in front of people with a price cut i mean red dead was on sale places as well and that game no one is saying oh that's not the quality isn't there was i it? mean that, yeah i didn't see any red dead sales but a couple maybe places yeah, yeah. Okay. i mean it, it, it wasn't as stark as um like tomb raider and some of the older games but you could get it i forget the exact price um so I, I think part of Black Friday is just this happens. What I feel bad for, and we talked about this offline, Jeff, 
and I do want to know if you guys bought anything, so I want to circle back to that. But it's like mm-hmm. Smash is big enough to be Smash, but how do you how are you just cause four? How are you a game <laughs> that comes out like, after wait, all of this that is December fourth, everybody? We're <laughs> Just be a little patience. We're gonna. We're, you know how you can get Assassin's going. Creed, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, you could get God of War, Spider Man. You get all of those games for less than, for like 120 bucks. Uh, just give us two weeks. <laughs> Buy us. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm rooting for those guys. I feel like that is really a passion project. I've never been a huge fan of the Just Cause games, but um, it, it feels like a passion project, and I'm rooting for that game. But it, yeah, it's it's an odd, oddly positioned. One of my big takeaways from Black Friday, and again, this is personal to me and, and my Twitter feed is just how many anecdotally, just how many people seem to have leaped on the PlayStation VR bundle. Mm-hmm. It really oh, feels man. like it hit that critical mass price point, that that um, you know impulse buy price point of like, okay, there's enough good experiences here that I can just for two hundred bucks, I can justify it. And that bundle, which doesn't have the move controllers, granted, but it has two of the best games for PSVR available now, Moss and uh, Astrobot's Rescue Mission. That I, I just saw so many people telling me that they jumped on it and they're getting into VR for the first time now. And I'm I'm really excited to see if we get any kind of sales numbers for PSVR, and hopefully that juices uh, development of, of more titles and maybe a, hopefully a sequel for Astrobot too. Yeah. I saw so many pictures of people sending you <laughs> tweets of their their new PSVR bundles. Yeah, well, I was like, I, I was like, retweet all of them. So you know, <laughs> I was like, mind. Jeff in his heart. I was like, I know he's been lobbying for this wonderful moment. Not not for them to send you stuff, but like the like push for VR to be a thing. Yeah, he made and it. W T T D auto spell. Welcome to the dawn. You know, he just had it ready to go. <laughs> But, but I mean, that's the thing is like I appreciate that though, right? It's like when you want when you see something work well and you and you and you feel like it's a thing that other folks should see and experience, and then they get to have the experience that you had and can share in that in that good feeling and then sh- you know send that energy back to you. Like that's great. That's super cool. That's, oh, I love yeah, stuff man. like that. And the number of people that are just blown away by Astrobot Rescue Mission uh in particular is just so gratifying to see because it feels like that game fell between the cracks for so many people and just wasn't on anybody's radar. It's not an IP that makes anybody take notice. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it is really, I think a masterpiece. I really think it is a phenomenally designed game that, you know, people, are, people are like, Oh, you know, VR doesn't have its killer app. Well, it does. It, I think it has several. I mean, people that bought the uh, PSVR with the move controllers, they've got, Astrobot Rescue Mission and Beat Saber, I think both of those are like mm-hmm. system seller quality games. And and there's like six to eight others that I could just list off really quickly that are all phenomenal experiences, very different from anything that you can get out of VR. It, 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 I think the the platform is mature and a, a lot of people don't aren't paying any attention to it anymore, which is a shame. But it's exciting right. to see that the price point has gotten down to the point where I think people are giving it a shot and realizing what is so great about it. Yeah. I'm with you on that boat. Like I'm 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 finding more and more now that I'm doing things in VR spaces that there are a lot of great games actually out on VR platforms, PSVR and, and all the other ones come out, out in the world. And it feels like folks are still trying to kind of label that killer app thing as whatever this one game is going to be is going to be the thing that catapults everything forward. 
And I don't think that that's the case. I think there's going to be a lot of small games that bring really fun, um, interesting, um, kind of group participatory, um, uh, 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 you know, events and games and, and, and experiences the people, and then you'll see it move forward. But again, again, like my idea about where VR is going to wind up being is more about, you know, size of the mm-hmm. devices and sure. sizes of the living rooms and sizes of all the other parts before it becomes about the games. But there are some fantastic games out there in the world and that, and that is one of them. That well, game is definitely awful. One of my worries about that, I mean, I, I can always find the cloud inside the silver lining. So uh, one of my <laughs> one of my worries about this is that uh, Sony will come up with some revision to the PlayStation VR platform, some new controller or a new headset altogether very soon. And all these people will feel burned that they hopped in now. I hope that's not the case. I hope, you know, anything will be, you know, backwards compatible or, or whatever. I'm excited for whatever revision they can do to the hardware because I think that it's ripe for that. But mm-hmm. I also, uh, I think it is by far the most comfortable headset available in the market. And uh, I think it gives a wonderful image quality. It really is just the tracking and the motion controllers that are substandard, I think. And that's unfortunate because they, you know, retrofitted everything to tech that was built not for this. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I still think, especially with these seated dual shock experiences like Moss and Astrobot, it's it's as good as you could ask for. It's it's great because you're not fighting the cord, you're not you know fighting the tracking. You're sitting there, you're having this incredible experience that's all around you, and you're immersed in and. And I just I've heard so many people that have responded to it over this week. So did you guys uh, pick up anything? Did you embrace your inner consumerist? (laughs) No, neither did I, man. I feel like a bad American. I didn't buy anything on Black Friday. I didn't trample over anyone this this weekend. Yeah. Um, Weirdly, I am not one of the folks who jumps on Black Friday sales, and it's weird because I'm I don't wait to get stuff in, in, in it's, and it's, I mean, that's a, that sounds terrible. It's like, you you terrible human being, but it's like, I don't have the like wait and see, and then I'm going to wait for a sale. It's weird. It's weird that now with games dropping so quickly that I'm starting to do that now though. Like I was waiting for soul caliber. I was looking for a black Friday deal for soul caliber and didn't see one. Um, and I was like, well, that game has been out for a minute. I'm sure that at some point on PSN, because I buy most of my games digitally at this point, that they'll do a dip sale and it'll, it'll go down and I'll cop it then. Yeah. Um, but I'm not getting up for anybody. I'm not well, I mean, that's up. the flip side. That's the flip side of this Fallout 76 argument. You know, Christian, you were saying it's, you know, it's a great time to capitalize on getting people into the game and, and people are primed to buy on this day. And all, all those things are true, but also the person that bought it at 60 like three days ago, you know, is that's got to sting a little bit. You know, you put in your big pre order for Fallout 76, and then a few days later, it's 20 bucks less. That's got to. That's me. That's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's me. I bought, I bought it on date, you know, pre ordered it and all that stuff like an idiot. I don't know why I did that, but I was like, I'm going to be there first. Actually, you know what the funny thing was? The actual thing that made me buy that game when I did was the fact that they had the beta. And said that your pro- your progress would would come with you. Right. If they didn't do that, I would have waited. Um, but I felt like I had done enough stuff in the beta that I was going to be able to move around and do stuff at a higher level just going in. 
and not have to deal with the tutorial stuff that I had to do in the beginning of the beta and then just kind of just jump in. And then I jumped in and it was nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will, we will talk about that at length. Um, yes. My, uh, I really got nothing for story of the week. I, I mean, I guess this, this week has been, uh, you know, it's, it's a holiday. There's not, not tons to talk about. I guess I can bring up the fact that uh, Smash Ultimate and, and Nintendo released a statement saying it is the best pre-selling game in the entire Smash franchise to date, and also the most pre-sales ever on the Switch, which is pretty good. I mean, the Switch has got some highly anticipated games. That's, I mean, that's more pre-sales than a Mario, more pre-sales than a Mario Kart um you know that's more pre-sales than than pokemon uh the so games have more pre pre-sale leaks than any other game i've seen in, <laughs> in a long time so you know smash brothers is a smash already it is a huge hit people are amped uh it is i don't know what else there is to say about that but uh any i mean khalif are you a? I feel like you're a guy that's excited for this game i'm i'm excited for it because this will be the first smash game that i will actually purchase Oh um, really? Because I, I haven't played Smash before, um, except for eh, like just one-off games randomly here and there. Like we have um, uh, a couple of gaming conventions here in Portland that happen, and someone will usually have a Smash, uh, have Smash playing somewhere, and I'll, I'll usually get on just to mess around with it. But this will be the first Smash game that I actually get to play uh, for real um, and actually go through the whole process of like learning how to be not good. Uh, in real time. <laughs> well, I've, I've actually been encouraged seeing all the stuff uh, this week about the single player mode and how robust it is. And there's like boss battles and storylines and stuff. I mean, this game has everything. They threw the kitchen sink in clearly, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I always appreciate fighting games that have a single player, something to do when, you know, you're not, don't want to get your butt handed to you by people online or something, you know? True. So uh, Christian, you're in. I know that. It, I don't mean to bring up urine again, but you're in for this game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have peed on it already. Uh, very excited. <laughs> we can leave that there. Uh, all right. Um, we got lots of games to talk about. But uh, first, let me talk to you about our sponsor. You know, we have a resident of Brookago with us here today. Let me tell you about Brooklinen. Our oh, sponsor. Snap. See how good a transition that was, guys? That was that was pro style. Uh, Brooklyn. I have Brooklyn in sheets. I am so pleased about that. I literally took a nap in my Brooklyn in sheets today. And that is a rare occasion where I can take a nap. And my goodness, did I love just sliding into my Brooklyn in sheets. You spend a third of your life in sheets. I don't. I have children. So I spend a very small percentage <laughs> of my life in sheets. But my goodness, I'm so pleased that I have Brooklyn in sheets because these are luxurious. They're luxurious and they're not super expensive. They are, uh, they are, they've been named the winner of the best online betting category by Good Housekeeping. They have 30,000 five star reviews, many more than any other online betting company. People love these sheets. You don't have to even take my word for it. Everybody loves these sheets. I do too. They're the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept on. I'm not just saying that. It is the absolute truth. They're stylish. You come in all kinds of cool styles. Uh, And you're going to love the fact that they're not going to break your bank. Plus, Brooklyn.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You get $20 off. And free shipping when you use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. And Brooklinen is so confident 
that their product is great, that they come with a lifetime warranty. All their sheets, all their comforters, even their towels, a lifetime warranty. But the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code DLC. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever. It is time to dig in. We got lots of games to talk about. Um, let's let's start with the big daddy. Let's start with Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, I got a lot of feedback about our various discussions about Red Dead. A lot of people upset that that I don't uh, like the game. I've stopped playing it. Uh, a lot of people actually upset <laughs> about the conversation that Dave Chen and I had. The nearly hour conversation we had at the end of last week's episode. Um, some some complaints, but a lot of people agreeing as well. I'm very curious, Khalif, where you sit on the Red Dead Redemption 2 spectrum. Well, let me spin a yarn for you, Buckaroo, about how I feel about this particular game. Um, it's uh, it's been oh, one no, of no, the- no, 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 no. Keep yes, with the sir. accent, please. <laughs> yeah, and please do the accent for the next 20 minutes. No. Just- so for the, uh, <laughs> I would do it and I'd be like, I can't talk for the rest of the show. Um, it, it was, I don't know. It's been a really weird kind of experience with this particular game where you have all the hype going into it, have it for a couple of years at this point. You're like, Red Dead is going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. Everyone is super hyped about it. And then you kind of start into the world and it is the slowest. And, and I haven't heard the conversations you've had already, but it is the slowest start to a major AAA game that I've seen in a very long time. And I don't know why they did that. It just irks me to no end that they started off so slowly that, and it it kind of goes back to the conversation that we just had about the Black Friday stuff and the sales. And I was like, even Red Dead feels like it's not paying attention to the fact that there are so many good games in the world anymore. Right. And it's like, yo, we're gonna we're gonna handcuff you and hogtie you to this game for like ten hours, ten plus hours. Before you get to stuff that actually feels like it's moving the story along. And people got mad at me at another, I was sharing uh, thoughts about this on another podcast and people were like, how can you not like it? And I was like, it's just too slow in the beginning for Rockstar to have all these kind of um, uh, side characters and your main character, um, Arthur kind of be thrust upon you in this way. That's like, you're going to care about these folks in ways you didn't expect. And you're gonna have this epic tale of of you riding around in in you know in, in the wilderness and in the country and doing all these wonderful things. It feels like they don't care about your time, right? And I've just finally gotten to a point. And mind you, I've I've been playing on this thing for at least twenty hours plus, where now I'm just finally getting into like I think chapter three or four, and feeling like I'm actually starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. But it, but, but the fact that they've done all this super slow legwork in the beginning has removed the, the want to do any of the cool stuff that you would get in a big rockstar game like this. Like, I don't want to do any side tales, uh, side quests now. Like, I don't want to do the fishing and all the other, you know, hunt the animals down and stuff. Now yeah. I'm like, I want to just finish the game. 
<laughs> so many people I've seen uh, online with like tips on how to get through it. Like it's like we have yeah. to, we need a support group to like, you can get through the game. Don't worry. You can do it. Just ignore yeah. 90% of the things, the thing the game is telling you to do. And again, I feel like our discussions on the show have been fairly one-sided. Uh, although Dave, you know, he, he said he really enjoyed his experience with it, uh, but he had a lot of gripes. Uh, I know that a lot of people love it. And I know a lot of people love the, the, level of verisimilitude, the, um, the amount of stuff to just live the cowboy life. I, I get it. There are plenty of people I've gotten emails from that dig it. And I don't mean to discount that, but uh, I, I agree with your assessment, Khalif. I think it is, it's just watching paint dry, but the paint is so pretty. It's so beautiful. It's, it's beautiful paint. I've never seen fog paint <laughs> look as good as it looks in this game. But the weird, and the weird thing is, I want to be invested. That's the part that makes me upset. It's like, I want to be invested with the folks in this crew, in this gang. And and, and again, it's like in the past, maybe eight hours of gameplay, I'm now finding people who I feel like I have some attachment to. I care about their motivations. Um, I'm starting to see side characters kind of come into the fold in ways I didn't expect. And some of the kind of commentary that Rockstar does really well about the world and politics and about the things that, that, that they do smartly when they're paying attention to it, those things are creeping in and I'm like, Oh, it's piquing my interest again. It's piquing my interest again. But then it sends me on this dumb mission where I do dumb things for dumb reasons. And that part, it's like, it's making me mad because I'm just like, I just don't have the patience for these folks doing stupid things that they should be doing the opposite of for the sake of making the plot move. And that's, and that's a common experience me- with Rockstar Games for me is that I don't want to be this person. I don't, I don't have any agency over this and I don't, I don't condone this behavior and I don't, I kind of don't enjoy participating in it. And, and there's so many, I mean, GTA five is like that. GTA yeah. four was like that. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of games where that they make, where I just find myself going, I'm doing this to see it through, but I don't like the people I'm forced to associate with. So forced to, uh, you know, to, to inhabit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it just feels, makes me feel gross. And I, and again, I have seen very little of this game, so I'm, I'm, judging it on a very small fraction of it. And I understand Same. that it infuriates a lot of people, but uh, <laughs> it's just, there's so many things that, that I enjoy playing that I'm not, not going to spend more time with this. I still really like it. Just haven't had a lot of time to sit with it. I just want to get that out there. Still, still enjoying it. <laughs> still yeah. enjoying it, but not playing it. <laughs> well, I was out of town for yeah. a week, so it made it hard to, uh, you know, are you far down. in Christian? Are you like, no, I'm not. So I can, I don't need, we don't need to transition off of it, but I'll let you know why I'm not that, that, that far into it. Uh, I always want to sit down and play it when I have like an hour or 90 minutes to, to play and really digest this game and really get into something. Mm. And those times are few and far between. And instead I'll end up taking out my switch and be like, I got 20 minutes. I'll play some Pokemon. Um, I'm 12 hours deep in Pokemon. So like, (laughs) that's a lot. Those 20 minutes. Yeah. They build up. And also it's like, I got 20 minutes. And then before I know it, it's been an hour 20. Right. Cause, Mm. but there's that, the allure or the illusion of, I can put this down whenever I want, which I guess is an illusion. You can, like I can literally put it down and finish making dinner and then play for another five and then put it down and then play for another 10 and red dead. The way I'd like to experience that game and those types of games is, I am seated 
and ready to play Red Dead, you know, yeah, and, and not yeah. even with sleep mode and the consoles being pretty great now. I don't want to experience that type of game that way. Um, so I just don't make the time. My wife is similar with movies and TV shows. She'd be like, I don't want to watch a movie. I don't have that much time. Then she'll sit down and watch five episodes of The Americans. And I'm like, you just watched two movies. <laughs> yeah, But it's that no, initial I, I, commitment. I, I totally feel that. And I, mm-hmm. I have that as well when it's like, okay, well, I'm going to dive into this experience. I really want to spend time on, well, I just have a half an hour. I'm going to play a game of Heroes of the Storm. And then I play three games of Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> yeah. It's been an hour and a half. You know, it's like, um, so I, I, I totally feel that the thing I don't uh, the thing I don't know about Red Dead, and I think the debate on both sides is compelling is, is it a laudable next step into artfulness in video games is uh, many years ago and, and somebody whose name I should have noted, and I apologize if you're listening for not remembering your name, but somebody on Twitter, uh, presented me with my own quote from many years ago on the totally rad show where I said, I wanted the diving bell and the butterfly of video games, right? The diving bell and the butterfly is this incredibly evocative movie. It's a, it's an art film, but it is, uh, it moved me in very powerful ways and it made me feel like a paraplegic and it it is an incredible experience. At the time there was nothing like that in video games. And I was like, you know, when, when will this medium, have that kind of artfulness, right? Well, will they be even attempting to convey stories like that? And somebody on Twitter said, is this that, right? Is, is this the thing you're bouncing off of the forced slowness, the, uh, the commitment to verisimilitude, to creating a very authentic experience, the, uh, the long drawn out story, is that art cinema, basically, is it the equivalent of that in the video game space and the not caring about whether you're having fun or not is, is that the, the equivalent experience in a movie of, you know, of, of having this kind of unpleasant, but rich media experience. It would be if it didn't take that long. (laughs) <laughs> right. That's, it, in fact, it, that's exactly what I said. So he, he <laughs> tweeted me and he said, this is the diving bell and butterfly video games. And I said, a diving bell and the butterfly wasn't 50 hours, you know, right. uh, <laughs> uh, I think that's, a, I think that's a fair point to make, but uh, I think what it could, the alternative is that it is reaching for something that it is failing to achieve because the systems themselves are fighting against the storytelling. That the the process of playing it, at least for me, and it sounds like for you too, Khalif, is to fight to to fight through the playing to get to that richness instead of enjoying the playing and also getting something out of the richness. And I don't think the fighting through is the intended experience. I think they really want you to be enjoying skinning a animal and you know petting your horse and all those things that you've, you're, you're supposed to do. I think they want you to like all that. Just for me, I find it extremely tedious and uninteresting. Um, so. See, I like that. And, Go ahead, Khalif. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and we'll circle it back at the end of the show because there is a thing that is in that same kind of world that I really enjoyed and wished was, was, was what Red Dead could have been. 
we'll talk about that later in the, in, in the show, but go ahead, Christian. Sorry. I'll say maybe moving to your fallout 76 experience, Khalif, I like the stuff that red dead has me do. And I like the fact that while it is helpful, um, it isn't necessary often. Sometimes it is, but often it isn't necessary. Um, again, having not completed the game, but I know I have not paid my camp for a very long time and the game didn't end. I didn't die. Uh, people gave me the stink eye, you know, and they weren't as helpful <laughs> as they otherwise would have been. But so I the like animation the, on the stink eye though. Oh, oh yeah, it's, mm-hmm. fingers at lips. <laughs> I could smell it, that stink eye. It was so good. <laughs> it, uh, it is something that I, I enjoy that richness, but there is a step too far. And for me, that step too far and maybe something even closer, but fallout 76 certainly is that step too far where I feel like, you know, I, I I used to run a lot, and I never got as parched as uh, Big Bear, the name of my character in Fallout seventy six. I've never been. I never ran in a radioactive wasteland or walked two steps holding two things. But Big Bear was so parched all the GD time, man. Like that is too. And then I die. And then I and it's like. And then I got a drink. But then I'm drinking radioactive water, so I know it's not good water. And then I got to eat, but there's just like radioactive. It's just like, stop it. I'm trying to listen to this audio. Oh, now, now another character kills me. Fun. I'm having fun. So that's a step too far for me. Well, are you, are you on the Fallout 76 train? This is another one that's very polarizing. Well, I fell off that train and it's 76 over me. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was asking him. I, I, uh, I know it's very polarizing because there are a lot of people that, that, love this game for its quirkiness and are really finding um, some, some cool moments in it. Uh, What is your take on fallout 76 Khalif? I'm waiting for the fallout 76 Bethesda do better edition. You're waiting for fallout 77. (laughs) I I need, I need 77 to be a little bit better than 76. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's like, I, I I feel so bad being such a, a downer on the show, but it's like, I wanted that game to be really good. I really wanted that game to be different and interesting in a way that you felt Bethesda was wrapping all the fun stuff that you love about a about a Fallout game into this kind of online space. And it and it's weird because in their in their um development doc, they talked a lot about what they see and forecast their plans being. And I'm like, this is going to be cool, but you're going to have no one to see any of this stuff because we're all going to have moved on. Yeah. By the time you get there, and it's unfortunate because, you know, Bethesda games are, are janky. We all know that they're janky. You, you kind of, when you buy a Bethesda game at this point, you're looking past that because you know the, all the fun things you had in Skyrim or Oblivion. And you're like, I want some more of that. And then you get into Fallout 76. And the interesting parts about that game is that there is some really fun, cool lore stuff happening in that game. The problem is everything else that surrounds it. And it's rough because it's like Vats is just some weird, broken, unreasonable version of, of what you're what you think it should be. While it makes some sense because it's like you're walking you're working in a in a in a How online dare you space call that unreasonable. <laughs> it's unreasonable. It's like you want Vats to be really dope and play like I did in the other games, but you can't because it's online and everybody's moving. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and then when you put perks into the systems, you're like, all right, cool. So now this perk that's supposed to help me with Vats is gonna give me one or two more percentages uh of of probability I might hit this thing. I might as well just move closer. 
if I move closer, my probability will go up and I'll shoot a thing and it might not even work. And I'm just like, come on, y'all. Like this is the thing that bugs me about this is if you make a game like this and the bad, you know, bad press besides the press, the bad word of mouth that you're going to get and have been getting across multiple, multiple layers of people who are like first timers in this world and people who are, are vets in this world. They're like, yo, all the stuff that we talked about in Starfield being a game that's supposed to be coming out whenever that drops. Like, I don't know if I want to spend money on another, but that's the game. If you give me this, mm-hmm. like you have to do a lot of work at this point to pull people back from where they're at now to make them feel like they're going to plunk down full price money for your game. Do you think, and I don't or, know how Bethesda does that. Or do you think, I, I, I don't know if because this isn't Fallout Five and it's not like a, a numbered lettered thing and it's not a new franchise. I I do wonder, and Jeff, you were the one that pointed this out to me, so I think you can speak to this better than I can. But I feel like people have departmentalized Elder Scrolls Online from Elder Scrolls, and For granted sure. that game is apparently better now. But like when the next Elder Scrolls comes out, are people going to be like, ah? ESO launched broken. Like, will that hold you back, Jeff? I mean, you love those games. Is that something that you were concerned about? No, no. I, I think people, I think right or wrong, people are looking at Fallout 76 as an experiment that they d- did and that maybe is, depending on your point of view, failing or not. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to hold me back. I have very little desire to jump into Fallout 76, but. I will be the first in line to play their next single player role playing game because that's what I love and that's what they make. And yeah, those games can be problematic in their own ways too, but they deliver these experiences that are exactly what I love. So I have no doubt that they will also make that. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing those games when they hit for sure. I mean, I just hope, and, and maybe they will be, you know, duly chastened by by this experience who knows if if this will be a learning experience i I do want to read an email that we got um that kind of presents a a different perspective which i think is interesting this comes from john from colorado springs he sent this to dlcfeedback at gmail.com he says um I'm loving my experience with Fallout 76. This can be seen by the fact that my friend and I set out hours ago to complete a quest and have yet to do so. On our way there, we stumbled upon a campground in the woods that turned out to be a little more than we had expected. Cough, haunted, cough. After th- <laughs> Was I supposed to read the cough or do the cough? I don't know. <laughs> uh, after that... A bridge that led us to a room with a map on the wall in which closer inspection would reveal pushpins with new locations to explore. Each new location brings with it its own miniature story adding to the lore as a whole. So they're finding fun in this thing and they're finding this, you know, it is not, it's, it's kind of the inverse of what, Bethesda games often are, which is this really uh, a story that's presented through NPCs and a vibrant world and, and all these things that are happening. And this is more like what also exists in the Fallout games, to be quite honest, and that is environmental storytelling. But I think that is really the only kind of storytelling at play here. But I guess if you get clicked into that, there's really a lot to like. But again, I think the systems are working against you in this game to a certain extent. Yeah. I, I just don't think their combat is 
strong enough to carry the game, unfortunately. Um, I think Vats went a long way, and the different approach to it not being a shooter, per se, in Elder Scrolls helps that game. But this game being a shooter or hack-and-slash thing, yeah, I just don't think the engine's there or the mechanics are there, unfortunately, to carry it. I do agree with that email that there's a lot of richness in the world and fun to be had with friends. Um I just think that there are like I would guess there are better games. There are games that do it better that you can also have fun playing with friends. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's for sure. A, a quick question uh, if you if, since you both have played some of it, are you are you playing it with other people or just solo? Well, you're always playing it with other people. I, I haven't played it with a buddy that I'm like, hey, we're jumping into that's this what game I mean, together. Yeah. yeah, no, I haven't done that yet. And maybe that is really the secret sauce. Uh, it seems you know, everything's better with a buddy really. Um, but you know, you're, I think the idea is that you have buddies no matter what, or at least people that are in the same shared world with you, but the, the world is enormous and there's only 24 people per server, right? There are only 24 people. Yeah. Per yeah. I've been hearing lots of stories of people being super lonely in that world because people are so, because people are really just like, it's it's like the hoarders episode on whatever TLC channel is gonna yeah. TLC show. And it's like everyone's like, no, it's mine, mine, mine. Get away from my stuff, or I'm building my base, so you can't come onto my base and get my stuff. Yeah. And I just don't, I just wonder how that experience has been for folks who have been teaming up with friends and and kind of exploring the world that way, as opposed to just doing it like I have, just kind of running around solo and trying to find trying to find fun in in, in the stuff that I'm going through. So. That would be good. I'd want to hear that from somebody. Well, Christian, what other stuff has been on your playlist? Well, I'll talk about finding the fun quick and early. Uh, I know we've both played Warframe on now that it's on Switch, and uh, I'm super impressed. I know this is a six-year-old or whatever it is, year-old game that's had tons of content added to it. But my golly, uh, playing in handheld mode, it looks great. It ran really well it drops you in you're playing you're you're blasting away you're in the thick of it and i think it does a really good job talking about red dead slow intro and fallout 76 kind of onboarding you know i and i'm probably preaching to the choir it's like yes we've known this forever it's a game of the year every year um but this game similar to forza horizon 4 I feel like has really, really onboards the player in a really cool and fun and effective way that for a game that does have as much content as Warframe does now, I never felt overwhelmed in the way that Diablo on Switch is kind of like, hey, you're getting the everything version. You can do this or this. Does that seem boring? What about this? Don't like this? Try this. Oh, by the way, here's this. And I was just like, too much information. And Warframe <laughs> really set the tone early. It walked you through, not walked you through, but it presents you things at a nice rate where it felt like I was having fun, but I wasn't overwhelmed with all the mods that I'm going to be making in the character class and picking this, what this means. And now I'm locked out of that. It's just kind of, hey, Here's some three things you can choose from. Here's some basics on, about each one. Uh, then you don't find your automatic gun until later. Like it really paces those things out well through the first hour. And it's a game. Um, I'm not sure if I'll become a, a diehard Warframe player, but it is definitely a game that when I have reliable internet, it's going to be a, you know, pick up and play for 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so, like get into that world and have fun um, on my Switch. I'm curious what your experience has been with it, Jeff. 
Well, uh, I will agree that it is uh, pretty cool that the game plays as well as it does on a handheld system and looks as good as it does. Uh, but I'll be completely honest with you. My experience with Warframe on Switch resulted in one thing, and that is me reinstalling Warframe on my PC. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I, re- I reinstalled it on my PC because I was like, this isn't how I want to play this game. Uh, I I thought the pick up and play and play on the go-ness of it would really help for a game that has so much to do, but it's just not a game I want to play handheld. I mean, the the screen size makes, for example, the mini-map completely useless. You can't even see it in a, in a in the handheld mode on the Switch. It is so tiny in the little top left of your screen that it becomes useless. Uh and it's just the controls on on the Switch aren't uh, as nice as on my PC. And I found out that it does support ultra-wide, which is a, <laughs> is a big plus. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just like th- this game is big and gorgeous and vibrant. And I kind of don't want to play it on the little Switch screen. I, I want to I, – I think the game is fantastic and it's awesome that they did that. And kudos to them for giving me a reason to reinstall it. <laughs> you know, I know there's tons of new content that I want to check out, but um, I I was delighted to like put it back on my PC and go, oh yeah, I like this game. This game is really fun. Um, yeah, if you I predominantly just, play your Switch at home, yeah. there's no reason to play Warframe on your Switch over any other console or PC that's available on. I but can also, see that. Also, you know, it, it does require an always online connection. So it's not like you can be, uh, you know, on the subway or something playing Warframe. And the loading times are really extreme, I think. It's not They're like... digital can... extreme. <laughs> digital <laughs> extreme, indeed. Uh, they, you know, it's not like you can power off and power it back on quickly like you can with a lot of Switch games. It, it hasn't, you know, it needs to log back on and it needs to, you know, reload a lot of things. It, it is, it doesn't have that, switch pick up and playness uh, inherent in its design and uh all those things make it make me feel like why am i wasting my time on the switch when i can be playing this the way I, it's meant to be played which is big and beautiful and vibrant and awesome hmm. i think i've been trained on my switch to tolerate that maybe better than you have with Fortnite, if you're not playing every day, you know, heaven forbid you wait between seasons and you're like, I'll play some Fortnite on my Switch. And your Switch is like, nah, dog, we're going to download 20 gigs. <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but a big amount. And even Splatoon, you know, loading in and hearing the, here are the new maps. This is what we're doing. As the game's kind of loading in the background and logging in. Rocket League. So I've played a decent amount of these. Always need to be online uh games on switch i'm kind of used to that uh warframes log load does seem a little longer than those but it's something that isn't a deal breaker for me where it's for that type of game i'll be like i want to play my switch in two minutes (laughs) fire it up set it aside finish what i'm doing and then i'm ready to go i would also be very curious i haven't played it enough to really have done any kind of testing or get results but i would love to know what it does to your battery i imagine that game probably uh oh yeah <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been playing a little of that. Oh, what, what else you got on your? You, you have more stuff on your playlist, right, Christian? Well, I mentioned Pokemon. Let's go. I still love it. My only update on that will be aside that I've apparently put in almost twelve hours or whatever it is. Um, people tweeted at me and told me this after last week's show, so thank you. With the Pokeball Plus, you can shake it to get the Y functionality, so you don't need. Uh, I was keeping my Joy-Con next to me to push Y, uh, so you don't need to do that. 
Um, and then I've also been playing Darksiders 3. Uh, oh, I should say I got a, a, a code for this game, and I have not completed it yet, though I was given it uh, time in advance before this embargo went up. I was not able to complete the game. So consider these well-informed thoughts versus maybe at the end of the game, it's like, just kidding. It was all a dream. This is still Red Dead. Uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> or something along those lines. Um, it takes place concurrently with God of War, God of War, geez Louise, uh, I'll get to that, I have notes up, uh, Darksiders 1, it's kind of this, the, the same timeline, and you are not overlapping in that world, but it's, they've set this up, right, if, you know, you're a Darksiders fan, Jeff, as the four horsemen, they're gonna tell all of these stories, and now you're playing as Fury, um, and you're wrecking havoc in the world, and I think distilling down its gameplay, the best way I can. It is Dark Souls Light meets God of War 1 through 3. Like, it's not God of War 2018, and it's that kind of old Blades of Chaos, chains out, whipping around, running around through an environment on a somewhat narrow pathway as you're battling people. And I think part of the reason that elicits these OG God of War um images in my head is the fury's whip chain when it comes out it it looks similar to the blades of chaos um, kind of swinging from kratos's wrist and the dark souls aspect of the game comes from uh one when you die you lose your souls and you can go back and collect them where they are and also on how the enemy battles uh happen it is not darksiders one or two in terms of its combat it is again dark souls light it's not quite as timing based as something like dark souls where your weapon is slower this out of the other you can change um weapons that are hollows they are called as you unlock them throughout the game and again i think picture god of war as you get what is it zeus's gauntlets or those other weapons that you can kind of d-pad change through in god of war and it changes um kratos's attack the same in here where you will unlock new hollows and you get fire and different powers and it will help you progress through puzzles in the world and backtrack but the combat itself um it's not as if oh i'm playing it with this heavy sword so i need to turtle or do this out of the other it is not that level of dark souls but your timing is important you need to learn the character's animations to parry at the right time so that you can come back with a strong counter you can't button mash your way through it the way you can um some of those older god of war games especially on normal difficulty and get your way through so if that sounds appealing to you and then i would add the caveat of if you are also an og darksiders fan i think this game is going to be right up your alley i think you're going to have a lot of fun with it if those two combinations don't sound that fun and you think maybe gaming has, you know, moved past some of that, even the Dark Souls franchise, what you like about it is its depth and its richness and how you can tweak the combat as you go with different weapons and different loadouts. And you think God of War 2018 took God of War in a bold new way that improved on that style of gameplay or that third person action game. I would agree with you. Darksiders 3 feels like it could have come out um, I mean, you played a little bit of it, Jeff. What, like, uh, mid to late Xbox 360 era. Like, it feels like, it looks better than that, but it, it looks like it still could have been that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the tone, the writing feels uh, a little anachronistic, right? It doesn't feel like it's, it is a modern game. It feels like it's these older games. I, 
I played very, very little of this game. I, I got a code for it as well. Uh, PC code, which I was very excited about. Widescreen support. Yes, ultra wide. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it has uh, been crashing on my system. I don't know if that's a me problem or it's a game problem, but it, I have not been able to play uh, more than five minutes without it crashing. So and crashing hard. Like it took my whole system down and it made me scared to play it again. Yeah, um, I'm also on PC and I've not encountered that at all. And I'm, you know, hours deep. So I, I, yeah. Don't, it maybe it's my the, garbage can GPU. I don't, it's <laughs> I don't certainly know. not uh, not something I would lay at the foot of the, uh, the game at this point because I just don't know enough yet. But um, it, this was made by Gunfire Games, which is one of my favorite studios. I mean, they have made some of the coolest VR games, Kronos, uh, Dead and Buried, Hero Bound, Spirit Champion, and From Other Suns. These are incredible VR games. I was so excited that they got, were going to get their hands on the Darksiders universe. I have not played enough of a game to know the answer to this, but what I loved about the previous Darksiders games was that they were Legend of Zelda, but right. with this like, you know, um, heavy metal kind of aesthetic and uh, crazy cool graphics. It That's what I loved about the game. The second Darksiders was Zelda with loot. And I was like, right. yes. So is that, have they kind of abandoned that and in favor of a Dark Souls take? Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, one... So I don't want to belabor the point of it not looking as beautiful as, say, Spider-Man or God of War or Forza Horizon 4, but it looks sharp, it looks crisp, but the environment, the it, it, it evokes uh, an older style of game, I think, graphically. So I only bring that up to say, because when Darksiders 1 and 2 came out, it was HD Zelda. We now have HD Zelda. So it doesn't quite have that same like, oh, cool, this is this is that. I'm getting that take on this on this type of gameplay. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, this is not that. There, it's not loot based. Um, things unlock as you progress through the game in terms of story beats. When you unlock the hollows, you get new weapons, new abilities. And then when you go to the Volgrim stations, which are your both your checkpoints and your what you buying? What you selling? Kind of Resident Evil Four type merchant, where you can deposit your souls to um, level up um, strength, stuff like that, by health potions and, and things along those lines. But you are not finding loot in the world. You are not changing your character as you progress. And it is not Zelda based, where there is an overworld and discrete dungeons that you go into. This game. Um, is is more kind of one long dungeon. They've described it more along the lines of, and I see this, it's it's more Metroid in how its world is laid out in terms of instead of there being an overworld and discrete dungeons that you go into, everything kind of interconnects and folds back on itself and you get to those new areas as you unlock the different hollows. So there will be, you know, spider webs blocking your path and clearly you can see through it, you know, and you can see an enemy on the other side. So, you know, it's not just um, texture mapping of, ooh, spiderweb creepy dungeon. It's like, I'm going to be able to get here at some point. I can't right, right now or I can't I like double that. jump up. I, I love that. I, I, I've always been a fan of that. You know, it's kind of fallen out of vogue a bit, even with Nintendo themselves. But uh, I've always liked that. Yeah, well, the smaller indie games have been carrying that torch, right? With yeah, right. the um, 
uh, I'm blanking on it. The pinball Metroidvania that I love so much. Um, yes. Yoku's Island uh, Express. Right. Um, and you've seen a and bunch Corey of those. kind of does that a little bit, right? Yeah. And I like that approach. I find that the way it doles things out throughout the course of the game doesn't quite happen as quickly as I'd want it to. Um, where with your main, your default, and then four hollows as you progress through the game, I wish there were more. Again, haven't finished it yet, so caveat, caveat. But I, I wish there were more of those came faster and the world kind of built quicker. Um, and then my other frustration with the game is because its combat is kind of this marrying of God of OG God of War and Dark Souls, it is fast and furious with this whip chain thing and all of the, the weapons you get you know, you're, you're, you're lethal, right? And you're moving through this space, but the camera is closer on you than a God of war is. It's closer to you at like a dark souls would be. And so I find that, and you can lock onto people um, and you can kind of toggle between who you're locked on to, but I'll get into a large combat encounter with a bunch of, I want to call them trash level enemies, but you know, a step up uh, of a grunt that I'm battling to, to get to a mid boss or a harder, a harder boss. That's, near something interesting right and enemies will come up from behind and i don't see them coming because my the the camera is close behind my back so it's not as if i'm ready for them there's a a little indicator it's kind of like a, a white triangle kind of thing that shows up behind you that an enemy's approaching but i found that that was on a lot <laughs> when i was surrounded by enemies and not necessarily like oh i need to deal with these now because I'd turn around and still be behind me on the other side. And with that little bit of a soul's approach to it, you know, even trash level enemies can really wreck you, uh, especially if you're not careful. So you'll be going through an encounter to work toward a mid boss or a harder, a harder enemy that you've been trying to take down. And you get stuck in these areas where these little enemies will surround you and kill you and you'll die and you'll respawn back at a Volgrim station, like not right where you left off, which again is, Dark Souls-esque, but I found the way this game approached its combat and the way I wanted to fly around the world more, unless I was on a challenging enemy where I would lock on and really get into that rhythm of the combat of parrying, coming back stronger, um, unleashing my wrath mode, um, and like using all of my special abilities. Those encounters were great, but I get into these rooms that would have a couple of slightly harder enemies and a lot of these lower level enemies and they would do a lot of damage. And then to have to respawn 10 minutes back to then get through those guys again, to then get back to the boss that I was at, or not not a boss, it wasn't one of the seven deadly sins, but one of the harder enemies in it, um, was, was frustrating. And I kept wishing the camera was further out so I could see more around me, or it handled its combat a little slower the way Bloodborne is the faster of the Souls games, right? But even that game is slow, enough that when something's behind you you parry and roll and it gives you space to then take on one enemy at a time and in my experience in the souls games that's what you're doing right is you're balancing space in which combat encounter you're going to take on and and my playthrough darksiders 3 didn't give me that freedom to do that the way i wanted to so it's kind of marrying these two genres that on paper i love and i think a lot of people will find a lot of fun in it but they kept conflicting to me more than they kept gelling together. Well, I'm certainly hoping that I find a way to play this because uh, I, I love the series. I, I was very excited that this game was being made. I was very excited that Gunfire was doing it because I'm such fans of those guys and gals. 
Um, but uh, and so yeah. a lot of the OG team is 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 back working on gunfire and working on this game. I think there's a lot to like. I think unfortunately, there's a lot that's better. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I know I've talked about it uh, many weeks in a row. I I just I'm in love with this game in a way I haven't been in love with things for a while. I, I mean, maybe that's not true. I. I loved uh, Horizon Zero Dawn as a big open world game. This one feels more massive than that and more massive than almost anything else I've I've played that I haven't gotten to a point where I'm just like, I got to power through and just finish this. I, mm. I'm still at like 40 hours in. I'm still just following my curiosity and doing cool stuff and I want to do it all. And uh, I am loving the experience. I love all the systems. Powering up is so much fun. Leveling up, getting new abilities. Do you feel like Seeing, you're still getting cool new abilities? That like, is it doling them out at a good pace, or are you a god and it's like there's nothing fun to play for? No, I mean the game. The game scales with you. So even if you level up past an area, it'll scale up the enemies. Like you know, like Bethesda games mm. do often. Um, so yes, I have more at my disposal, and I'm liquid death for a lot of uh, the time, but. The game is still a challenge. I've I'm doing the arena challenges, which are really really cool and fun. And there's always these awesome mercenaries that come after you if you do too much stuff that are a challenge and cool to take down. The fights are really thrilling. There are these legendary animal fights that I've been having a great time with. They're like these protracted Dark Souls esque like marathon boss fights. Uh, I will say you bring up something about leveling and it, it, playing this game made me think of something that, that applies here, but also I think applies for a lot of games and in a more general sense, the whole video game industry. And it it's something I wish more games would think about because Assassin's Creed Odyssey does loot really, really well. It is very satisfying to get new loot. Each of the many different weapon types plays very differently from one another. If you have a big axe, it plays very differently from a dagger or a sword. You have different movesets. Uh, and you you getting a new weapon that does cool stuff is thrilling. They all look really cool. I just got uh, Jason of the Argonauts armor, which has this like golden uh, ram's horn on the shoulder. And it's just like the game looks so great. And all of the armor, it, I haven't really found that I would loot multiple armors that look the same, which is like unheard of in a game with this much loot. It's um, incredible and very satisfying, but they basically just up your stats, right? You get a new thing. It's Mm. like this one does 6% more warrior damage, but this one does 8% more warrior damage. Sweet. I'm going to do the 8% more warrior damage. And that's the template for a lot of role-playing games, you know, plus one to awesome, right? You get plus one to awesome and you're going to take that. If you get plus two to awesome, well, I'm going to take that. Yeah. And even with the legendary items, the legendary items in this game, and there are many of them. And also side note, one of the very cool things this game lets you do is you can pay a blacksmith to upgrade an older item to your current level. So if you have the materials, you you can keep something that you think is awesome, but you outleveled, you can make it your level. So th- I like love Destiny that. Destiny does that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, you, you want right. to keep your, because you like the way the gear looks, but you want the new stats. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, even the legendary items, the it'll be like a really 
huge stat increase. It'd be like 20% more damage on, you know, a particular skill or something. And yes, there are legendary armor sets that have a, but if you get the entire set, it does something dramatic. But I find that the sort of Diablo three model, which they came to late in that game's life cycle, but I think smartly is a legendary item will actually change the way you play. It's not just this one is plus two to awesome. It's not just it. The thing you already do, this one does better. It's not just your stats go up and you do more damage. It literally is this particular item will let you break the rules of the game in a very specific way. And because (laughs) you can break the rules of the game when you wear this, the way you play will be different. And I wish more games took that to heart and did that because that is so much more exciting and uh, makes the loot grind and, and getting loot actually impact the way you're approaching the world and do cool stuff. For example, I think I mentioned last week or the week before that I think at level 30 uh, in Assassin's Creed, you just get the ability to fall from any height and not die. And it's awesome. It's (laughs) totally changed the way I play the game. You just automatically get that when you get to a certain level. And I wish that was tied to a, a piece of armor or a piece of a weapon or something like that is such an awesome thing that it would be cool if that was something I looted and it was like, Oh my God, I can, I can now fall from any height and not die. I'm just going to leap off of everything. And that's how I'm playing the game. I'm playing it like Spider-Man, you know, it's like, I just leap Mm. off of things. It's so fun, but things like that. And again, those are very difficult to come up with um, a number of them that work like that. But Adding a new ability instead of you know laying out all the abilities in your talent system, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey has a great talent system, and I love the upgrading of the talents. But I would love for there not all of the abilities to be in the talent system. Like, for, let me find an item that gives me a talent that I couldn't get any other way. Those kinds of things I think add a richness, a, a layer of richness to the loot to loot games that. I think make playing the game way more thrilling and way more interesting. And instead of just, Hey, your stats are a little bit better and you keep upping the stats over and over again, it dynamically influences your play style. Yeah. I want something that I have to not necessarily grind for, but I need to do certain experiences to be able to get to that thing that makes those kinds of abilities kind of pop through throughout the game. I'm totally with you on that. I I would love to see more of that in in a bunch of different games. I wonder if part of it, and I know with the internet now it'd be different and people would talk about, go get the, you know, Icarus boots to be able to withstand fall damage or whatever it is. And here's where they're located. People would talk about it and, and word would spread that way. But with the skill tree, um, you can kind of map what you want to do and you see what's available to you. And it's kind of the carrot on the end of the stick. And I wonder if things were hidden in gear in that way, if that encourages players to play as much or the same way, or to keep doing things to grind for the X, Y, Z talent or skill to get it. If it's just, Hey, go get this piece of loot and it changes the way you play the game. I wonder if there's data or research on that. Like what motivates people more this thing in the world for them to find or this thing for them to whittle away at to then get this, you know, dopamine hit or whatever it is. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that are screaming at the top of their lungs, guild wars, uh, guild wars, <laughs> because I mean, that's how the, 
the system is in Guild Wars is like everything is tied. And, and actually, um, um, Path of Exile has a lot of that too, where like the item determines the, uh, the things you can do. Your abilities are determined by the items you have equipped. So there are games that do that. I just wish, you know, like another thing that I did this week for the first time is I, I've been putting lots of points into all kinds of cool abilities and, you know, you know, doing ghost arrows through buildings and shooting multiple arrows and stealth kills and all kinds of fun stuff this game has, but I had been ignoring something that I tend not to do in video games. And that is there's a, there's a skill where you can uh, tame animals and Mm. I've been ignoring it. And I was like, well, I'm going to see what this is like. Oh man, it is so, I was rolling with a lion, a full on (laughs) majestic maned lion, like a white, Mained line because you know there's all these um these awesome animal caves that you can find where it has like kill the kill the epic animal in the cave and if you level up that skill enough you can tame them by subduing them so you have to like fight them first but then not kill them you have to knock them out and there's different ways you can knock them out one of them is the the spark huh. kick and if you knock them out then you can run up and tame them if you have the skill again way cooler if you like had it on an item and, and it was like this item let you tame thing that'd be like a whip or something that lets you tame an animal that'd be rad anyway either way it's like a I've mystical rolling- chicken bone or something like that <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> i've been rolling with this lion and it's like completely changed because i was like mr stealth and now i just roll into the <laughs> into a, a sea of dudes and my lion is like zip zip ripped to shreds and and everybody you know is running at me and i'm like dancing around slicing dudes while my lion is tanking for me it is ah it's so rad dude the oh, game see, is now i need to do that oh man i need to use that it's so cool another thing i want to mention about assassin's creed odyssey is uh we had uh a guest on uh, a, a while back uh, i think it was heather alexandria i might be wrong maybe attributing it to the wrong person but um who was reviewing the game and powered through it at a certain point because the game is so big and so sprawling was just like mainlining the quest to, to finish it. And it it occurred to me, like there was a moment that I had because I'm not doing that. I'm taking my time. I'm doing everything. I'm just following my curiosity. If like, there's a cool Island, I'm going to go over to it and just see what it is. And I'm almost always rewarded by this game for doing that. And I'm also doing a lot of the side quests, probably more of the side quests in this game than I have for most open world games just because they're so interesting and and result in moments like this, which is, so when you leave your first starter island in this game, very, very early on, you get paired up with a dude who gives you a ship. And his name, I think, is Barnabas. And it's his ship, and he's like your first mate on the ship, and he gives you all your ship stuff, and you kind of talk to him a lot, and there's a relationship that develops there. Um, But you don't, you know, he doesn't join you on missions or anything. He's just on the ship. and there is the uh, the island of Mykonos, which is, I don't know, midway through the game. Really fun, self-contained storyline where you're like liberating this island from bad people. And uh, at one point, there was like a side mission that I went and I found this woman who had an eye patch. And she's like just chilling. And she's like, oh, there's a, a terrible creature, a bear that uh, <laughs> killed my entire crew. And... Uh, I want you to go kill that bear. Totally, you know, banal, rote, role-playing game side mission. Go kill the big, big bad bear, right? It's a fetch. Fetch. Go kill the bear. Bring me back its pelt, whatever. So because I'm not rushing through, I'm like, I'll do that. I'll get some sweet XP. I love leveling up in this game. I'm just doing everything. It'll be fun. So I go. 
I kill the bear, I bring it back, and you the, there's more to this mission. That you find out that she was kind of lying about that. That the reason the bear killed her entire crew is because they were smuggling this bear on the ship. And again, these are spoilers, right? But this is a side mission that you could very easily miss. Very easily miss. So anyway, so she's kind of this morally gray character who like let her entire crew get killed because they were smuggling this bear illegally on the ship and it broke out and slaughtered everybody. And you discover that fact and you have the option of like dealing with her and killing her or keeping her secret and not, you know, letting her live and all that stuff. So you have all these cool choices to make. And I ended up because I tend to play as a nice person. I ended up letting her live and, and <laughs> say, go on your way. Right. You didn't let so the you, bear live, Jeff. I didn't, I didn't, I killed the bear. I, I slaughtered the bear, <laughs> but, uh, it was fun. Cause my, my lion helped, um, <laughs> lion on bear crime, man. It's, uh, it's, rough. um, so I, uh, I, I let her go. And so then you do like all of Mykonos, you do this whole thing. This, and I'm doing other side quests. I'm doing the main mission and everything. And you, you finally liberate the Island of Mykonos and there's a party. Like they throw a party, not for you, but just because they're liberated and you get to go to the party and, and you can wander around and talk to people. And lo and behold, this chick with the eye patch is at the party and she's talking to Barnabas, your guy. And they like fall in love. And they what? like they and he's like I met this girl at the bar and he, and she's like hey I know that girl and she's like hey yeah 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 uh, why do you know her he's like oh oh no no reason because you're keeping her secret right and they fall in love and then she's like well I'd love to we're you know we're setting sail for the next island in the morning she's like well can I come and she joins your crew and is this like legendary crew member that adds all these cool stats to your ship but com- the game completely doesn't telegraph that at all it doesn't tell you like hey do the side mission because you can get a cool legendary person it doesn't there's no link to her and barnabas like it just is this this rich tapestry of story that happened because i made all these particular decisions and it's like this game's awesome i i, I just i was so blown away by that yeah should have killed her <laughs> That's the stuff that I love, though, is like when those things come back or they or they connect in a way you didn't see coming or you see some random thing that happens way down in the line of the story that you're just like, oh, my actual actions did something that actually changed the way that this game is working or the way these stories are going to kind of be told. That's the stuff that I want. I don't want to feel like I'm doing fetch quests for the sake of you needing to do a stat boost uh, so that you can get something new. I want those things to be interconnected like they're supposed to be. Yeah, I agree. And and uh, again, it's the kind of thing that could be easily missed and the, the game doesn't signpost it at all, which I think it makes it even more special. It's, you know, so many games, I think, feel the need to tell you, you know, hey, if you do this cool thing, then you'll get even something cooler. And it just, I wonder how many other things I missed or that could have got played out differently or, you know, I, it, the size and scale of this game is incredible. And uh, I just love all the systems. I've never had more fun like losing my stealth in a game and having the, the <laughs> s hit the f you know and like all the people i just today was like i was taking down a a cool castle and uh usually i stealth and like liquid death everybody without them ever knowing but i did something and they all noticed me and then i was like i just had fun dealing with that and running around and having this team you know this band of people it's great it's a good game I just okay. love having everyone get mad at me and then running to the top of a ladder 
and waiting for them all to come up the ladder so I can stab them. <laughs> They're just like, one at a time, boys, one at a time. One at a time. I'm going up next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Die. Uh, anyway, so again, I'm not, you know, I have, I'm not approaching this game the way I approach most others. And that probably means you guys are going to hear me talk about it lots more because uh, I just want to play it. I want to play it. And so I am. And uh, that may, may not be the best thing for the show, but it's the best thing <laughs> for my psyche right now. I'm like, I'm following the fun, everybody. And you're just going to have to listen to me talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey for a few more times until I finally But Just Cause 4 game. comes out. Indeed, it does. December 4th. It does. Yeah. I December the 4th. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. I want to talk about our second sponsor, Third Love. Third Love is a bra company. It's uh, it's awesome that they sponsor this show. I I love that. Um, th- this is something my wife has taken advantage of. I know Christian, your wife has taken advantage of Third Love, and they both came away in Third Love with it. <laughs> um, right? Am I right? Commit to the bit. Like you do, wait, you can, know, can, can you, can you just do my uh, my voicemail on my phone with that noise? <laughs> I hated yeah, myself halfway, <laughs> halfway through that. Yeah, I hated myself and I just I, <laughs> I jumped out on it. I abandoned it halfway through. Anyway, uh, what you won't want to abandon is Third Love because they have completely reinvented how bras are sized, how bras fit. Uh, and I had no idea about this. And before I talked to my wife about it, bras fitting a bra, getting a bra sized is not a pleasant experience for most women. And oftentimes women are wearing ill-fitted bras that are uncomfortable. And if you're a woman listening to this, you should definitely uh, check this out. If you're a guy listening to this and you have a woman in your life, what an awesome Christmas gift. Uh, This is the kind of thing that will really change somebody's uh, experience day to day because you actually will be comfortable. See, the the thing is most women don't fit into – traditional bra sizes. Most women are in between one of the sizes. And Third Love was the first company to actually do half sizes. They say 50% of women fall in between standard cup sizes. So they created a whole bunch of sizes that didn't exist before. Half sizes like you would have with shoes. And these are very comfortable bras. They have tagless labels for no itching, straps that won't slip, ultra soft smoothing fabrics, and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. They have a 100% fit guarantee. And the process of how you get fit, a lot of times women will have to go in and have an uncomfortable sizing process. No, with, uh, with third love, it's done all uh, with a, with a very quick and easy, um, uh, questionnaire that you can do. That's called a fit finder quiz, uh, a few simple questions. And best of all, we have a deal for you. We have third love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. And right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. If you go to thirdlove.com slash DLC, you can find the perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC, T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E.com slash DLC for 15% off today. That's awesome. Oh man, we got a juicy VR segment this week. Lots to talk about. Khalif, I know you've been playing some VR. Uh, all of us have been playing Tetris Effect because why wouldn't you? It's it's sublime. Uh, Khalif, what, what's your feeling on that game? 
So I was I was skeptical because whenever I see everyone on the internet, literally everyone on the internet gush about a thing, I'm like, that can't be that good. It can't be that good. It <laughs> good just can't skepticism. be that good. I like that. It keeps you safe. I'm like, nah, I can't be that good. It's so good. <laughs> it's yeah, so not good. even not even all ten dentists agree, right? You can't have everybody agree, right? Like right now, someone's listening. The... Like Khalif likes it. I knew it was bad. I'm glad I waited. <laughs> I'm still waiting on the Russian judge to give to give a good score on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but it's so good. It's like one of those things that when I first sat down with it, I didn't play it in VR at first because I was like, I want to see what what it's going to kind of feel like without all the bells and whistles with it. And then you put the you put your helmet on your your, your PSVR on, and it's such a different experience. It is so very just like it feels weird. It's such a zend out chill experience that you see all these small little things just like pop up around you and it feels like it's surrounding you and enveloping you and, and it feels really nice and then i just love the way that they've just like attached and 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 figured out ways to sync the music with everything with all the visuals and all that stuff and it it felt like i'm trying to think what it felt like it felt like the first time i sat in new york and watched like the big macy's fireworks hmm it was like that feeling where it was yeah. like, wow, like, ooh, like you can feel all the small little like intricacies of, of all the little graphics that they have. And then it's weird because you're, you're trying to play Tetris while all this fun stuff is happening around you. And I've been messing up because I'm looking at so, so much of the cool stuff that's happening around me that I'm totally botching the actual game I'm supposed to be playing. <laughs> so just like, oh, I totally missed that line. Oh, I totally missed that whole thing. I could have gotten a whole bunch of points off of that. But like, ooh, look at that really dope triangle that just like flew through, that I like flew through to get to the next part of the layer. The next part of the level it's I, I mean i love i love games like this like these are the, these are the games that i i kind of really appreciate now in my in my older wanting something to like go to bed kind of stuff and like going to bed games or or things like this like i don't know if vr is necessarily the, the best thing for pre-bed gaming but um this game itself even if you're not playing in vr definitely feels like it is like a big cup of tea before going to bed yeah. Which is great. It's fantastic. It it really is. It's I mean, sublime is I think is the perfect word for it. It, it is. It took a game that is super stressful and made it zen. Um, we actually got a a listener who wanted to send in a review of this, which you can you're welcome to do at dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. Uh, this comes from Simon. He's from Florence, Italy, and he says, uh, "I love DLC. Never miss an episode." Uh, I want to write down a small review and explain why Tetris Effect is so special and, well, my game of the year. Please excuse me if my English is a little bit weird since it's not my mother tongue. He says, the pinnacle of Mizuguchi's research for synesthesia, Tetris Effect is, in fact, the synthesis between Luminous and Res. It's the perfect balance of gameplay, music, and images. Everything is crafted with care, nothing left to chance. Every color, every note, every vibration on the controller extremely refined, clean, its gameplay sharp as a blade. However, stating that it's the best and most important Tetris ever made, or the best version of the best game ever, right? Right? Since the Game Boy version is not enough, because there's more. The journey mode, especially if played in VR, is an introspective journey through the elements, nature, science, religion, and human tradition. From the cell to space, Tetris Effect brings an immensely powerful message of hope. And rarely, since the video game exists, has there ever been so much need for hope in our history as human beings. 
like right now. Everyone should play it. So he said, those are my thoughts. In a sense, Tetris Effect conveys DLC's message of hope and positivity, which is pretty awesome to say. Thank you, Simon, for that uh, review. I want to know what I wish I could read Italian because that was very eloquent. So like, what is his native tongue? You know, how (laughs) awful would it have been in Italian? I specifically read his his like, you know, pre uh, um, apology because it's like it's so inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> did great with English, uh, you know, but I thought it was yeah, funny. We're, we're sitting here, Cleef and I are like, it's so good. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. Really, 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 really good. It's so good. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, light. I was like, why is he not writing for someone? That was a beautiful, that was a beautiful yeah, great. review. Thank you, Simon. What uh, I, Christian, you haven't had a chance to play it or to talk about it since you've been playing it either, right? Yeah, so what I'd add to this, and I think this was a great email to kind of jump to this part of the conversation, is I feel like this is the most accessible Mizuguchi game made in the sense that Tetris is something that everyone knows. And Rez is funky and weird, and I love it, and I own the soundtrack on cassette tape because I'm that type of person. Um, but it's like what you're a, a cell, then you're a thing, and then there's you're pulsing, and you know you got to get into the Zen moment. And Luminous is, oh, this is Tetris. No, 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 it's not. You're not playing it right. Like it's that little you think you know what you're doing, but you mm. don't quite know what you're doing. So people aren't great at it. At least in my experience, people aren't great at it, and they kind of bounce off it faster than they should have. Um, it kind of feels like he made Luminous because he wasn't able to make a Tetris game. Like maybe, he couldn't yeah. make a Tetris. He couldn't make <clears throat> yeah. this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is a game where it's like, what am I doing? You're playing Tetris, just just, just play Tetris. And then you let the game wash over you. And, um, you know, the people that I've seen play this game, we have a coworker who loves Tetris. And the first time he played it in VR, like the rest of his day, he was he was in bliss mode, right? And like even getting my wife to sit down and play, it's a very accessible VR game. And then having that um feeling of music and gameplay and rhythm and everything go together it, it's easy to convey and feel and get into and i think that's what makes it such a masterpiece um and it's something that literally anyone can play and experience and not feel like they're missing something about it i think it's great that it's on playstation vr as well because it, it that is such a comfortable headset that, yeah. that you are never uncomfortable. It, it is a very comfortable experience all around. Tetris effect is, it, it just, it feels good to play it. It just, it relaxes me. It, um, it brings me into a state of, of joy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's blissful indeed. Um, but, uh, Cleve, I know you've been playing some other VR stuff, including Beat Saber on the PlayStation four, which, is kind of the opposite. It puts me in a state of uh, sweat is what that game puts me in a state of. It's funny because I remember early on, right when, you know, Oculus was starting to drop and Beat Saber was one of those games that people, uh, not, not right when it dropped, but when Beat Saber came out, I should say, was one of the games you talked about really early on as, as being like this good exercise game. Um, and I remember waiting for it to get to PSVR. I knew that they were going to be dropping it on on PSN. And I was like, I'm just going to wait for that because the setup in my back room isn't really great. And it's not big enough for me to have space to do all the stuff I want. And I played it last, no, two nights ago. And my wife usually doesn't watch me sit and like play VR games, especially because it's not a fun experience when you're not in the headset. It's kind of just like you watching other people do stuff. And she sees me in the living room flailing around like a mad person 
And she's like, like a Jedi, you mean? <laughs> like a really clumsy Jedi listening to Yakety Sax. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I've not seen you move this much in a really long time. <laughs> and I was like, thank you for calling me fat. And also, um, it's real. It just feels really good. She was like, you're having so much fun. I was like, yeah, because it's like I'm. It's that weird in between space where it's like I know this is good for my body. And I'm not thinking about that part because once I think about that part, then I'm going to probably stop doing it. But on the other side of that, it's like it has that like um, amplitude thing that I love about games like that, that are music and score and, you know, you trying to figure out how to um, get the best run of something like games like that. I love stuff like that. So it was fantastic to kind of just jump into it. And I remember seeing everybody else play it before. And I was like, I don't know what the big deal is. And then I started to get into it. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is so, this is so good. And I was like, just when you get that, that like lean in when you're just like, okay, I have the part of the part of the screen. that's like, when you have to kneel down or you have to like bend down. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's like right at the perfect height where I have to bend down enough where it's like a squat. <laughs> and, I'm yeah. like, and I'm like, oh, I felt that in my butt. Oh, that was great. Like I felt that in my hamstrings. I have hamstrings. Oh crap, I have hamstrings. This is fantastic. Um, yeah, so it was it was great. It's it's so much fun. I'm like waiting to now play the harder levels. Like I want things that are really fast so I can really get a good sweat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I'm they just, got they got a bunch of songs on the way, I think. Uh supposedly yeah. there's like a bunch of like 30 songs and coming in DLC. I'm just worried though that I'm like, because I sweat a lot. So I'm just like, I'm just, my poor PSVR headset is going to be gross. Oh, yeah. I told you my wife was like, if you play that again, you need to put a f- towel down on the floor. We're not, I'm not going to ruin our floors because you're beat sabering. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, honey. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm really excited uh, about what we're about to talk about too, because um, Christian and I got a chance to try the magic leap which is something I have been dying to try ever since uh, developer kits kind of went out into the wild. I actually was trying to uh, find somebody on Twitter that would let me, I don't know, drive however long I needed to drive to get to them because I've been so excited to try Magic Leap. Uh, I've been reading a lot about it, but thankfully Christian had the hookup and we we got a chance to uh, to give it a give it a go. Right, Christian? Yeah, a friend was kind enough to let us play with it and... Um... I, I joked to you that, you know, as you were tweeting to everybody who got PlayStation VR, welcome to the dawn. I was like, what do I tweet to you when you say that you've been playing Magic Leap? Welcome to the, what, what's after dawn, the high noon? Like, what's the, what's the experience yeah. here? We play mid-morning. Um, welcome to mid-morning. <laughs> yeah, welcome to mid-morning. We're not quite there yet. We still have a ways <laughs> to go, but man, it's a good day. Um, we spent most of the time in the Create app, which lets you fill the world with little objects and little AI, like a knight and a dragon and a UFO. Well, let's, let's start Let's start a little even farther back. If, if you're not familiar with, with what Magic Leap is, it is a uh, forthcoming well, it's AR. Out. It's out, but it's like $5,000. Yeah, it's for development. I mean, it's, this is not a, uh, a right. uh, consumer product. It's not meant to be – it's not the final version. It's not the final form factor. It's not – the it's not a sellable product right this but if is, you have a rich friend you too can play <laughs> magic leap <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah uh but it is an ar headset a, a with inside out tracking that is completely free form you have a little um thing that attaches to your 
belt or your it's pocket. A, it's a pager with a wallet with a pager chain. Yes. Exactly. Oh man, that was just a yes. perfect it was the perfect foreshadowing for this moment. Uh yes, it is a slightly larger than a pager in on your belt and you got the the chain connecting it to your headset. The headset uh is a little awkward, but it fits over your uh eyes. I don't think it is made yet to to you know work with glasses, but it doesn't put you in VR. It doesn't, you know, eliminate the world. You see through these glasses. So you see the world you're in, but then it layers on digital imagery and it has uh, sensors that can map out the entire geometry of the room you're in so that it can incorporate that geometry in the things that it's uh, digitally presenting to you. And that's an, an important first step. It has the ability... Um, to remember rooms so you don't have to do it every time. Supposedly, we were in a new space, uh, but part of it is you set up the room and you track the room and it knows where everything is. So this had a, a table in the middle. So if I, you know, we're playing in this other game, you can drop a thing and it drops and it lands on the table and it can then walk off the table. You can build a ramp that goes up and down to the table. It knows all of this space. And since you can see through it, it's AR. HoloLens is another device people might be more familiar with if they haven't heard of magic leap because it was at e3 what three years ago or whenever that was but you're in you're like ar on your phone or you know pokemon go right like you can see the world but because this is a headset and glasses you're wearing your hands are unencumbered and this has a controller that is kind of a cross between the vive uh touch controller and the the little Joy-Con thingy that Oculus would come with that's not a controller. It's like not quite as complete as the Vive controller, but has more functions than just a little um, Oculus wand remote. And it, it didn't, yeah, like you said, it layers everything into that world, but it's all 3D. So if you create something or you're playing a game or you build something in this space, you can walk around it and experience it living in the real world but also in a 3D space of the the fictional world that you kind of build. And to me, one of the biggest changes of this was as you and I were playing with it, I'm still so used to you and I doing VR demos with people and playing with people where I was still talking to you like, yeah, so I'm right in front of you. So just be sure and I can see you. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. But it's still this, this perception yeah. in my head of like you have these goggles on watch out oh no 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 uh I, I put my bag over there you're like yeah i got it there's a dragon on your bag um yeah yeah in vr i see less than you see yeah. in ar i see everything you see plus some stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i mean yeah we can talk about the experiences but yes good point on backing it up but i will just say mind blown i wish the the field of view was was bigger but I mean, this is, it's the real deal, everybody. It is the real deal. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I agree. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was dramatic. It was, um, I mean, I, I have experienced, we, we both have experienced the HoloLens and it's been several years since I have experienced it at least. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that technology has come a long way at the time it felt, um, it, it was cool, but it really felt like it was in its infancy. Magic Leap is, is I would say, what, a little past toddler. It is, it's not in its infancy. It's not full grown and ready to go, but it is, it's like a middle school kid, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's interesting. It's, it's beautiful. The, the, the quality of the image, uh, 
layered on the real world is really neat. Uh, you were talking about this create mode where you can place things in the world that are that stay where you put them or move around, and you can you know make a tree grow on the floor or uh, you know add characters around the world, and and that's all neat. But then we got a chance to play a game. Uh, I don't know how much of a tech demo it is or how Dr. much of a real Gro- game. Grodbort Invaders. Yes. Uh, basically, this is the kind of game that you've probably heard about with AR where stuff comes out of the walls of your house and attacks you. And you, you have a gun <laughs> and you shoot it. Uh, and that is just – I can't overstate how just cool that is. I mean when you have a wall uh, – just, just the pure act of shooting a laser – and it leaves a mark on the actual wall in the room is mm-hmm. it just feels incredible. But this game, I think, outdoes that because, you know, a wall will open up, a portal will, will open in the wall and you can see through it into, a you know, this crazy alien world. And, and then you a can robot see through will- it well. It's not as if you're looking through a light hologram and you can still see your wall. It's it, yeah. it does a really good job of filling that space that you're seeing through. And it's like, oh, crap, through my bathroom wall there's apparently this alien world like it's really striking that that's a great point to emphasize because yes it it does there what you're probably imagining is like star wars you know with the blue hologram that exists it's not that it really does feel like my wall is not there anymore what's there is a portal to another place and that place extends way beyond my wall. It, there's, I can look and, and I, as I walk up to it, I can like, you know, rotate my head around and see, you know, just like there's you would look out a window. 3D, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's extraordinary. And then things will crawl through that and come at you and you're, you know, you're blasting them with your, with your laser pistol. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. There's a, the room we happen to be in, had kind of a like a waist high a little wall you know almost like like an island uh in in it and you know you could have in a kitchen or something and characters would run behind it and use it for cover i mean npc characters not me npc characters would but you could also and it would have to react to it yeah you could and so they they knew enough to do that The, the game understood the environment in a sophisticated enough way to do that and it took me a second because you just expect that because you've been in this room. You know you can go behind it. You just expect the fact that anybody could go behind it. But when an animated, not real thing does it, <laughs> it took me a second to go, oh, my God, that's extraordinary that it actually did that. Um, but again, as Christian mentioned, field of view is the big problem. It's really the big hurdle to make this thing the game-changing, world-changing next gen kind of experience that we all want because you are seeing all of those cool things, but not in your peripheral and not your head can easily move to the point where now this thing doesn't have legs or doesn't have a head because it it cuts off the top or bottom of the image because um, it doesn't fill your entire field of view, which is more and, and i would say i typed this in the chat like it could be better it's not bad but it definitely needs to be better and i think the reason it's so striking in ar versus vr which also i think could have a bigger field of view is that in ar i see everything so i can still right. see, i can see the top of jeff's actual head right so then it's odd if like this robot that's the same size as jeff i can't because my field of view is off whereas in vr 
your field of view is it feels like you're wearing goggles kind of and you wish you could see a little wider but nothing in the world you're seeing is being artificially cut off but in ar because you can see all of the real world in magic leap it it is a little it's much more noticeable when one of the vr augmented um sprite or polygons or whatever ends characters ends because you can still see the tree you know outside or whatever it is and and but yeah it's weird because now i feel like i'm what i would have called you like a a vr apologist like i'm an ar apologist right now like yeah yeah yeah, it could be better (laughs) but also i have video of you and i both going oh oh no oh wow 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 for 20 minutes or whatever it was it is extraordinary and there's no i mean you have to mention the field of view thing because i think for it to be you know the ready player one world we all imagine it needs to be as convincing as that but in its narrow field of view it is as convincing as that you know like it's doing the thing you want it to do it's just not doing it for your entire field of view but it is doing that thing and it is extraordinary uh you believe those objects are present you they interact with the world in believable ways They'll fall over. They'll ragdoll on to your kitchen table. What? If you like take out its leg, it will like fall and like da, 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 and like short out on the kitchen table. And it knows there's a kitchen table there, and you can walk around it, and it's still there. Like, <laughs> and then the it it there was some stuttering or jittering that happened a little bit when I was building like a forest on this bench or whatever in this room. Um, but also zero nausea, nausea. Like the jitter, a little jitter in PSVR will make me feel a little queasy but i think here because you're grounded to the real world mm. any stutter or frame rate hiccup or whatever of the ar objects i mean i was in the goggles for a good amount of time and literally zero uneasiness uh queasiness uh from my experience with it yeah i think because because you're not the world isn't being replaced there's nothing to mess with your sense of what the world is it's just you're seeing the actual real world. It just has extra stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and it and it looks really good. I mean, the the quality of the images is very high, as, as far as I'm concerned. I think you get more polygons in the characters because it's not actually rendering an environment for them to stand in. It's using your house as the, right. or whatever <laughs> you're, wherever you're standing as the thing. That that uh, bench was pretty low poly though. That at uh, at this at this yeah. flip, at this building is real low poly. Um, but man, yeah, I'm, I, we were both really, really impressed with it and it, it feels like the future. It really feels like the future. It feels like you can easily see so many very useful applications of this thing. And as it's a no brainer that they will figure out all of the little things that don't make it perfect. And our kids, you know, and hopefully even earlier, I feel like in 10 years, it's just we're going to look back on this and it's going to look like the transistor radio. It's like yep. this was, you know, this was it's so primitive, but it, it really is the herald of things to come and the world that we're all going to live in if we have, you know. Yeah, even just air. simple implementation of like <laughs> <laughs> of like driving. You're not looking down at your phone for your GPS because driving in the real world is like driving in Forza Horizon where there's, yeah, the there's a line. line. Yeah. It also tells you to slow down, right? Like it, there, it gets mm-hmm. red when you're going into a turn. The speed limit's always up. Um, just in those simple implementations of it, uh, watching a sports game, you're at a baseball game and you look over and it's like, oh, this batter's batting 283 this year and has a hard time against lefties on Tuesday. Like you can pull all of that up in real time as you're just sitting there and it's just 
yeah, I'm excited. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So that's the magic leap. Again, can't really get it. Uh, you could <laughs> theoretically, but it's uh, you know it's it's, it's not for us, a, not yet. Yeah, not yet. It's going to be a product at some point. But uh, man, I'm excited for that point to be here for sure. All right, uh, we do have one more sponsor to talk about, and that is Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all, lightning quick servers in the cloud, a super fast 20 GPPS network in, in all data centers, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job run, done right the first time. And now, Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only 10 bucks a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including us. 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. You just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Linode has uh, a one gigabyte for $5 plan, High memory plans starting at 16 gigabytes for $60 a month and an upgrade in storage from 24 gigabytes to 30 gigabytes on their two gigabyte for $10 plan. To support this show and a $20 Linode credit on a new account, visit promo.linode.com slash DLC. That's P-R-O-M-O dot Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash DLC. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Stick around for our parting gifts. But we do have to thank uh, our friend, uh, one of our favorite guests, Khalif Adams. Thanks so much for being here, buddy. You know I love you, boys. Anytime I get to rock with you all, it makes my day. It makes my week. Uh, so thank you again for having me on. And thank you, everybody in the chat, for being so lovely and sweet and everybody else in DLC land. Yeah, yeah. Well, the pleasure is ours. Tell the folks where they can keep up with you and your uh, various things online. Uh, you can check out the Spawn on Me podcast every Tuesday. Uh, we're on all the major uh, podcast services. Uh, we're even on a new one called Radio Public, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, the good folks over at um, uh, Red Bull Gaming also nominated us for their award for best uh, gaming podcast. So please, if you get a chance to check that stuff out, vote for us because we're awesome. Um, uh, and you yeah, can dude, check us out. Congrats. On- That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, that's a great way to end out 2018. That's pretty dope. For sure. Uh, and if you want to check us out on Twitter, uh, you can check us out at Spawn on Me. You can check me out at Kajakins. Uh, and yeah, I, I love to chat out with everybody and then talk about games, talk about life and all the other good stuff in between. So yeah, come come by, hang out and hit me up. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I'll remind people that the Play Games Be Nice Summer Tea, no longer summer, but it is available again uh, from Cotton Bureau and proceeds go to St. Jude and they help kids uh, fight and beat cancer. So you can wear a cool shirt, feel good, look good. Go to CottonBureau.com and search for Play Games Be Nice and you can find that shirt there and uh, proceeds go to St. Jude. So I'm proud of that and I love uh, working with them and supporting them. You might have already heard, you can still find it, the RSS exists, but at least 20 more minutes, I wrapped that show up last week, so the final episode was out. Um, I thanked everybody, the, the family, for listening and being a part of that show, and I also gave a preview of it, and time ended right then if I had to give my five favorite games of the year, so you can see how wrong I am here <laughs> over this last month, what, change, what opinions change. 
but you can find that just uh, cause four baby <laughs> just cause four. i mean <laughs> smash smash might get in there and and, and make a mess of things uh and maybe uh, how awesome would it be is if in two weeks we're all laughing at this episode because just cause four rocked our worlds it, it looks awesome dude it you, does. Fight, you fight a tornado you punch a tornado it looks incredible i it, it really does um just december 4th man <laughs> um that's, that's that's hard december 4th is hard uh there's one other thing i was gonna say but i don't remember what it is twitter at spicer and this show uh, i live stream it whenever i'm home on sundays at 7 15 pacific time you can find that at twitch.tv slash christian spicer and i'm on the twitters as a jeff canada that is spelled with two n's and one t and uh, you can always email us here at the show at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your emails and comments, questions, quick questions, uh, any anything you want to send us, we'll take. We appreciate it. Uh, also, I do another podcast called The Slash Filmcast, talking about movies and TV shows. You can check that out at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, this week, we are talking about something that I think Khalif is about to talk about uh, in our uh, parting gift section. So let's get right to it, guys, and end the show with parting gifts. Khalif, do you have something to suggest to help people get through their week? The best thing you can do is to take two hours of your life and watch on Netflix The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It is Everything that I wanted Red Dead Redemption 2 to be, and it was not, <laughs> but it is, it is such a dope show. I, I kind of liken it to I, the way I describe it to folks is it is the Western mashup of Grimm's Tales and Black Mirror all put together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's so good. It does <laughs> so many cool things, and it's, it sucks because you can't, it's like all these snippets of, of small stories kind of linked together that don't actually touch each other, but they're just all told um, in really smart and interesting and beautiful ways. It's a gorgeous looking uh, show, uh, and it's from the Cohen Brothers. Uh, if you're familiar with their work, then you know where they're coming from. Um, but it definitely is uh, one of the best things I've gotten a chance to see in a long time. Um, totally agree, man. I, really, I called it. Uh, it's like if Tales from the Crypt was yes. like Tales from the West. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Yes. It's so, so good. good. Uh, two other really quick ones. Chewing Gum, which is also on Netflix, and Big Mouth as well. I'm super late to both of those because there was 2017 uh, premieres. But Chewing Gum is this uh, story of this young black woman uh, who's in the U.K., uh, she's in high school, so she's kind of going through the process of learning about herself and dating and all that cool stuff. Um, and she, and, um, and Big Mouth is just fantastic. I, I didn't know how good it was going to be until I started to run through it and then ran through it again. Uh, and it's all about these, these these bunch of kids who are going through puberty and learning about themselves and about their bodies as well. Um, and it's all dirty jokes, so it's great. <laughs> it's all super dirty jokes, so it's fantastic. It's fun. Definitely go check that stuff out. So that's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Chewing Gum, and Big Mouth all on Netflix. Yes. Christian, how about you? What, a, what do you got for a parting gift? I think I say this every year around this time. It's the gift you never wanted to get when you were a kid, but it's the best thing in the world now. Um, get yourself some new socks. Maybe you already got some new socks, then you're good. Treat yourself. Man, that's the thing. It's not even that much of a treat, right? Like you can you can get great socks and you're not, you're not breaking the bank. That was a Black Friday 
grab or some for some great you socks. Black, you got you got Black Friday socks. Everything's on sale, not just video games. You guys, everything's like, on sale. Have you seen this Black Friday? <laughs> Have you seen this? Pretty incredible. Uh, get some new socks. Try it out. When you realize you're like. <laughs> Oh, my middle toe keeps popping out of this sock. That's not how socks are supposed to be. They're supposed to contain all of your toes. Get some socks. Get some Deep socks. discounts. Deep discounts on socks. I'm on registering getsomesocks.com. Hold on. I'll be right back. Socks. <laughs> Doorbuster socks. Get hey. in. Get those socks. You guys laugh, but I guarantee you if I mailed you both socks right now, you'd, you'd be like, oh, my, he did it. What an idiot. And then like Wednesday would roll around and you'd put them on. And you'd be like, man, these are I have great. A, I have a bad I, sock story, though. But it was it from too late mouth because I don't want to hear that one. No, 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 no. Really quickly, my my great grandmother bought me used socks. Oh my! <laughs> she gave me used socks for for a holiday, and it was I knew it was used because it was from a store that didn't exist anymore. <laughs> Let me rephrase my parting gift then. <laughs> I was like, these are the just best. Like regifting you socks? Maybe, but they had a tag on it, and it was from that old store. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, oh all right. I'm gonna clarify. Buy new socks. <laughs> Christian got socks on Black Friday, but he peed on them first. Hey, wait, it's a I had to claim them as mine. Come on. Uh, I, I'm teasing you, but I have often said that if I had uh, like, uh, you know, obscene money, like, like crazy, you know, billion dollar Unless lottery. I get them on Black Friday. Yeah. No, if I, but if I had that insane money, one of the stupid, uh, obnoxious uh, things that I would do is I would never wear a pair of socks more than once. I would only ever wear new socks. And then I would es- establish the, like the Jeff Kanata socks for children foundation. Well, and I would just leave grandma. <laughs> yes, exactly. She would distribute them as needed. I used socks for all. I'd say so, secondhand socks. Anyway, that's a good a website of, uh, too. Secondhandsocks.com. Secondhand Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh, this comes to us from Mace who sent this to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, he or she says, uh, my parting gift suggestion is season one of the Limetown podcast. It's only six episodes long at about 30 minutes apiece. It follows a woman investigating the overnight disappearance of 300 plus people in Limetown. It's interesting, creepy, and very well done. Season two begins on Halloween and there's talks of a TV show. So jump on the wagon now. Also says, thanks for DLC being one of the highlights of my week. I don't know what I'd do without podcasts to keep me sane at work. Keep up the great work. Uh, thanks, Mace. Uh, awesome. That's Limetown, where you get fine podcasts. Uh, my parting gift is also a podcast. Uh, instead of recommending uh, an entire podcast, I want to recommend one particular episode. Although this entire podcast is excellent. Uh, the Ezra Klein Show, uh, which is a Vox podcast, uh, is is very good, very topical, very newsworthy uh, what I listen to regularly, but uh, there is one episode in particular uh, came out on November 15th it is with Whitney Phillips. Uh, and it is, I think one of the most illuminating things about where we are in the world and how we got here. And it ties together a lot of pertinent topics for people that listen to this show. It, it kind of talks about Gamergate and online behavior, online trolling, uh, the sort of impact of the internet on our lives. Uh, it is incredibly, I think, uh, articulate about where we are in the world, what's happening, and uh, maybe some of the things we can do about it, in fact. 
Uh, Whitney Phillips is really a fascinating author. She's like embedded herself in the 4chan troll world and wrote books about it. Uh, I highly recommend that. I, I think it's an incredible episode. Again, that's the Ezra Klein show, uh, a podcast, and the episode from November 15th entitled Whitney Phillips Explains How Trump Controls the Media. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Khalif Adams and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Uh, thanks to all the folks that hung out with us live in real time in our online chats. You guys are the best. I appreciate it. And thanks to all of you who download the show. Couldn't do this without you. We're very grateful that you take time to listen. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.